Monster. Puppet. 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 Muppet. Muppet. It's time to get things started on the most sensational, inspirational, celebrational, motivational. This is what we call the Muppet Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to sally forth. Join the dynamic duo, Edwin and Megan, as they explore topics of gravitas and pomp, brought to the brink of absurdity and thrown off, down, down, down the precipice of ridiculousness. You want to do an intro? Hello, today we are talking about the Muppets! <laughs> they can't see your hands signals. Jazz hands! Muppets! We're talking about Jim Henson and all the magical worlds that he created for us that we enjoy as young and old and somewhere in between peoples. No matter who you are, where you are, you can find something to enjoy in the Muppets. True that. And if you can't, that just means you're a cynical person. You need to change and smarten up. Yeah. Straighten up and fly right. That's what I'm saying. How do we get started on this journey, Megan? Well, we've had a long journey with the Muppets, I would say. We have been fans of the three original Muppet movies and season one of The Muppet Show for a very, very long time. Yeah. Not when they first came out, a little bit before our time. Yes, but I would say pretty early on we started watching them. Mm-hmm. Of course, like I remember watching them probably around age seven, so I don't know if that's accurate, but that's when I started remembering what movies I actually watched. What really gave us the idea to make a podcast about it today, at this time, in this moment, was because there is going on right now in the Grand Rapids Art Museum a exhibit about Jim Henson. So it goes through his whole career and from making five-minute short shows, from making commercials to The Muppets to Sesame Street and beyond. That's right. So we have a little bit of information to give you and a lot of stories to tell and we hope that you enjoy it as much as we do. So let's get started with the Muppet movie. How are we giving a backstory about Jim Henson? No, we're going to bring that in. It's going to be like this flashback, back and forth kind of thing. You know, we have a framing device and everything. Well, Jim Henson really does love framing devices. Yes, doesn't he? He does. And uh, the, the two movies that we're looking at, particularly today, is The Muppet Movie and Labyrinth. And both have framing devices. What is a framing device, Megan? A framing device is something that leads you into the story. So think of Prince's Bride. The The kid is sick, the grandfather comes, he opens the book, and then we're transported into the actual story. The one we care about. Yeah, yeah. And then at the at the end, and if, if, they're, if they're doing a good job about it, they'll probably break in once or twice throughout the movie to remind you that, hey, we do care about what framing device, and this is, you know, moving our story forward. Uh, and then at the end, you'll you'll see it again. 
unlike as much as I love Shakespeare, and I, I really do, Taming of the Shrew has a framing device that uh, never appears again. It's at the beginning and then disappears completely. I, I feel like Will was just thinking, you know, what does the crowd like? It's just like, ah, oh, framing device. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll do it. And then the play was just itself so good that he just, he just never got back I to just it. think he, like, the ending was so good, like Kiss Me Kate and, you know, like, all of that was so good. At the end, he's like, nah, I can't ruin it. Yeah. Don't you think that in Zeffirelli's ver filmed version, that is definitely Robin Hood vibes? May I obey all your commands with equal pleasure, sire? Yes. And with like the doors opening and then closing as they run out. Yes. I definitely think he wanted his Robin Hood moment. Yeah. So our framing device is that we have now gone to this exhibition at the Graham, as it's known here locally. Mm -hmm. I said that I went to the Graham to some to some friends, and they had no idea what that was. So it's, like, it's the Grand Rapids Art Museum, of course. Oh, see, they probably thought it was Teddy Graham's. Teddy Grahams? Yeah. Mm, making me hungry. I know. Those are still, like, of all the childhood snacks, those are really up there. And they're still dairy-free. So yeah. I can eat them, and they are delicious, unless they are stale. And they are horrible. But yeah. they're they're better than graham crackers. The Teddy Grahams, the chocolate chip Teddy Grahams. A little, little tip to all of you. Get the chocolate chip Teddy Grahams. <laughs> and please share. We, we don't want Teddy Grahams. I mean, we, we, we don't, but we do. Oh, okay. I feel like that's one of those things you have to have children around to, to justify. To having. justify, absolutely. And it's like one of those things that you have sex and you're like, whoo, that's a lot of sugar. And then you're just like, I can't handle eating any anymore. Uh, but those six are nostalgic and scrumptious. So. Anyways. Our framing device is that this exhibition. So what I really think is cool is that the Muppet movie, the premise is Kermit the Frog, which Jim Henson said is the character that's most himself. A reflection of maybe the best parts of himself or what he yeah, wants to be. Yeah, and just Kermit also is the most like a rational person. Yes, and in a lot of ensemble casts, whether human or puppet or animated, you're going to have the the like the one rational one that the story revolves around, and then you're going to have bits and pieces of an actual like person personality like blown out of proportion, right? Uh, so that it's funny, <laughs> yeah. really, and that it's entertaining, and that you see like one side, but you have to have that one. And not to say that Kermit isn't funny. I think Kermit has a wicked sense of humor. But you need that one that's a little bit more sane. Than the rest. Than the rest. Yeah. In order to like anchor a story. Oh, yeah. Imagine a movie that just had Fozzie and Miss Piggy. Mm -hmm. It would just be chaos. It would be bad jokes mixed yep. in with karate. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> How many times are you going to use that bit? So many times. Yeah, also, hold on to your, your seats. You're going to get a lot of Muppet clips. It's something so sensational that you'll have to hold on to your hat. Yes. When a German scientist says, hold on to your hat, it's not casual conversation. Hold on to your hat. Hat, hold. Good. Because we, like, Muppets is up there with our most quoted movie. Absolutely. Uh, only thing that comes close maybe is The Incredibles. Yeah. Yeah. And The Princess Bride. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of movies that we quote a lot, but the Muppet, it's it's definitely like you and I, especially. 
Mm-hmm. Quote it back and forth to each other. Waka waka waka. Waka 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 waka. <laughs> so what I find interesting about the framing device that they use in the Muppet movie is that it's not a human framing device. It's all Muppets. Uh, even though there are bit players later on, it starts about the Muppets screening their Muppet movie about how the Muppets got started. So it's like right. a fictitious story on how the Muppets got started, told by the Muppets. Yeah. So this is the thing with Jim Henson. Like, he's meta before he's meta. Like, meta is a thing. Yeah. Well, I think the Muppet movie is like, extremely meta. He's coming out. He's working through... Like the hippies area. era. That's true. And yeah. So this is becoming more and more a thing. Yeah. To be meta. But it's never coy or I don't know. Like it's never annoying. It's like it's, it's done it's with just... a seriousness. Right? Yeah. I'm trying to think of like it's like they do break the fourth wall at times. Yeah. And I don't know. Like it just works in it. Like I've seen a lot of comedies fail at doing what the Muppet movie does well. And maybe it is because it's all Muppets doing it. Yes. So there's that... Suspended reality. Yeah. So you're already there. Definitely a little bit more so. Maybe. Maybe that's what it is. That's something to explore. Yeah. Because with with Labyrinth, it's an all-human framing device. Yeah. And then... Essentially, her stuffed animals, along with characters that she's read, come to life. That's right. And then she's, like, transported back into reality. But I did like the ending. Which, should I save that? No, go for it. I I liked the ending that, because Labyrinth is a story about growing up and realizing that there are things more important than yourself. There are things more important than your possessions. And that That's not fair. It's not fair. That's right. It's not fair. <laughs> it's yeah, that's not fair. You have to you have to grow up. But like as I was watching, I'm like this doesn't this doesn't read like Jim Henson to me like a message from that and I'm like obviously there's other producers and all of that going on, I'm like, Kate, how is he going to end this? Because the Muppet movie, like, the moral is... Hold on to your childhood a little bit. Yeah, and hold on to your dreams. Hold on to your imagination. Like, don't yeah. ever let that go. So I'm like, where is this going? And I, I thought the ending was was beautiful, where at the very end, she has a jam party in her bedroom with all the characters... All the good characters. Yeah. Not the evil goblin king, but all the good characters come and they're they're dancing. So it's not like she rejects it entirely, but she gets her priorities straight. Yeah. That she's like, you know what? My baby brother is more important than my teddy bear. Yeah. He is more important than the inconvenience to me right exactly and so i thought it was beautiful where it's yeah you do have to grow up because that's just what happens like when you're in high school you just start growing up right and you can't pretend that you're you're not going to grow up you have to move forward with your life you still have to be grounded in reality 
But it doesn't mean that you have to reject everything that you love. And you have to reject all your goblin stories and you have to reject your stuffed animals and you and know it like it doesn't mean imagination has no place exactly in, in a life that's still grounded in reality and that's the case yeah another thing i liked about that is that they didn't cheat and say oh none of it ever happened yeah it actually did happen to her she actually had to go through the labyrinth because mm -hmm. so easily they could have been like, oh, I just fell asleep and I dreamed this and I learned my lesson. But I think Which there's a, a little bit of the um, Wizard in Oz uh, problem. That's true. She just wakes up yes. from being bumped on the head. And, and that's... you were there and you were there. Exa and even you were there. Yeah. Uh, so, which Labyrinth is the Wizard of Oz. If you're wondering what the plot of Labyrinth is, is the Wizard of, o Wizard of Oz. So I do like that she actually has to go through it to be changed. Yes. Now she's more bratty than Dorothy. Yeah, and Dorothy's Dorothy's dreams got away from her. Like she she thought that to be happy and to live out her dreams she couldn't be in Kansas. Yes. And things had to be more glamorous and brighter and shinier. And then she's transported to the Emerald City and she sees not all that glitters is gold. So I guess for Dorothy all that is emerald does not sparkle. Something like that. Something like that. You figure it out on your own time. So I, I liked that she actually had to go through it. And she was nastier than Dorothy. It's not fair. You say that so often. I wonder what your basis for comparison is. Which I think it works for like Wizard of Oz that she is bonked on the head. Yeah. Whereas this one, I'm like, okay, this, this girl actually had to go through the real thing. I don't think a dream was going to cut it. For her. Because, like, that's the thing with uh, Sarah's sin is that everything has to be fair towards her. It's not fair. That's right. It's not fair. Because <laughs> that's, that's her refrain through the movie, basically, is that it's not fair. And then she learns that it's actually not fair. Exactly. It's all right for it to not be fair. Yeah. That's Fair is not the only measure by which you can see your life through exactly and if you stop seeing it as like a self-centered fairness mm -hmm. then the world opens up to you yeah because that's the whole point of the labyrinth too is like seeing things differently because she's yeah she has seen, to change her perspective because there's this time she's like there's no doors how can i this labyrinth isn't a real labyrinth because i can't get through here because there's no doors and they're the the creatures tell her there's doors everywhere like what what are you talking about and that's life. There's and she doors has to, everywhere. She needs to learn how to see things. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. I, I had wished at the exhibit that there had been more of the Muppets. This is what we call the Muppet To be seen there. Like, there was a lot of the Sesame Street, I thought, in proportion to... The Muppets that I know and love. From the movies. Where was Gonzo? Yeah, there was no Gonzo. There was no Fozzie. Uh, so I, there was Baby Fozzie. That's true. There was Baby Fozzie and Baby Miss Piggy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess, yeah. So I don't know. I just was hoping to see like maybe a big Muppet as well. But I, I wonder what the availability on those. I guess I kind of assumed since they had to make so many of them. That there would be more more, more of them available to be viewed. 
because yeah. it wasn't the original Kermit that we saw. It was Kermit from 76 or I don't know what what was. Yeah, somewhere's in there. Somewhere's in there. A late Kermit. A later Kermit. Yeah. Because yeah, Kermit Not... originally was blue. Yes. And without the little frock around his neck. Yeah. Yeah, what is that called? <laughs> Fringe? I don't know. That is an interesting... Yeah. It's not exactly anatomically correct for a frog. <laughs> then if the message of Labyrinth is that you do need to grow up or at least accept reality as you grow up and relate to it properly, if that's the message of Labyrinth, then what's the message of the Muppet movie? I think there's... There's multiple messages that you can glean message I from that you can glean from the Muppet movie the watching it again I'm I mean just I've seen it so many times and every time it makes me cry every time it makes me laugh well every, okay it does that too I expect it to do that though every time it makes me laugh but every time I get that little little catch in my throat but I what I I think is one of the most beautiful things is the catalyst of this is this Hollywood agent comes to the swamp where Kermit is playing his banjo, singing his little heart out. Why are there so many about rainbows and what's on the other side Someday we'll find it the rainbow connection the lovers, the dreamers and me He's like, oh, you should you should try out for Hollywood. They're they're looking for frogs. And he's like and Kermit's on the fence, ah, I don't know if I should, I don't and it's as soon as the agent said, you can make millions of people happy. If you get your tongue fixed, who knows? You can make millions of people happy. Millions of people happy. That Kermit's like, hmm. yeah, I want to <laughs> make millions of people happy. And all through it, that's like, yeah, do you want to come to Hollywood and make millions of people happy? And I think that's such a genuine thing, and I, I, I like to think that is why, like, because you said Kermit is kind of Jim Henson. I like to yeah. think that that's why Jim Henson does it, is he just wants to make people happy. Right. So uh, that's that's the one thing. And then when they're stranded in the desert and Kermit loses it at his friend's, because all his friends are like, Kermit, you've been leading us so far. What do we do? We're we're stuck. We're not going to make it. Because he's the leader. Because he's the leader. And they, they all expect him to know. And he's like, well, I don't know. I I didn't promise you guys anything. Why are you asking me? Like, And so he kind of blows up at them. And then he has this really interesting dialogue with himself. I love how yeah. they shoot it with, with him talking to himself when on a rock and him him walking but they even changed the pitch of like his voice slightly like they do some altering there so i thought was really clever where 
through the dialogue, Kermit realizes that it does matter because he promised himself. He said to himself, this is my dream. This is what I'm going to do. So he made that promise to himself. So yeah, it doesn't matter if he made it to Miss Piggy and Ralph the dog and Fozzie. He, he promised himself. So that's what draws him back to the camp, brings him back to the community. Again, like we talk a lot about community builders. There's Kermit. Yeah. He gets all these people together in a, in a, yeah. Weirdo yeah. car? What what kind of vehicle is that anyways that they end up with? Oh, I, the one with the wood on the side? Yeah. Oh, I station that. wagon? Some kind of station wagon. Uh, so that's what brings him back, and then he realizes that they've been saved. Right. And So the, the idea of that you have to keep your promises to yourself, like that is as important as keeping it to other people. Yeah, maybe even more so. Y- yeah. Because the promises you make to yourself are the promises that make you able to keep your promises to other people. Exactly. Because if you can't keep a promise to yourself, how can you possibly keep a promise to somebody else? And then at the very end, when the movie's at its close and the movie is now making the movie about the movie that you're seeing. Did I say that right? Like I said, it gets a little meta because they say, oh, Orson Welles says, give me the rich and famous contract. It's Tracy. Prepare the standard rich and famous contract for Kermit the Frog and company. And then they go off start to start making the movie. That, of is, that, the that mo- is the movie that we're watching within the framing device. Yes. <laughs> Saying out loud is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> Have you said it out loud before? This is very strange. <laughs> and In the movie, which is the movie they're watching, they start to make the movie that they are already watching. Yeah. This yeah, you said yeah, you said it right. Wow. All right. My favorite part is just crazy Harry plays with the electricity. <laughs> crazy Harry plays with the electricity. <laughs> I know, it's so good. <laughs> Cuz like where did he come from? He just comes like No, the he's, the li- he's the like, the lighting he, guy. he's yeah. the lighting guy. But like all these muppets were already in Hollywood some of them. Is, oh yeah, know. there's a uh, That's the thing with the Muppet movie and I'll come back to the very end layer of the of the point of the movie is nobody bats an eye that there's Muppets because there's all these bit players, cameos from all these famous actors and comedians, but they never bat an eye that they're Muppets. Have Did you notice that? Like Bob Hope, he's like, oh, what ice cream do you want? Oh, I want a, a honey and a um, dragonfly swizzle, whatever, yeah. you know, and he's like, here you go. Now, what do you want? Chocolate, vanilla, coffee, peach fudge, rum banana? Honey. Honey? I bet your partner hardly know you. Ah! But seriously, I'd like a honey ice cream cone for me and a dragonfly ripple for my friend the frog. Okay. One honey cone for the bear. Ah. And one dragonfly ripple for the frog. Yuck. Don't get them mixed up. Gotcha. Like, the, the world is so completely... M- Muppet friendly. Yes. No discrimination. There's yeah, there's just it, it's all normal. Yeah. And I think if the movie was entirely like, oh, what's a frog doing there? Oh, what's a pig doing there? It wouldn't work. Yeah. Like they just take it all the humans play them like they're other humans, but they just happen to be a pig or a frog or a dog or a bear. 
Right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's part of Henson's strength is that world building where you might on the surface think is very simple. Like, oh, you put Muppets in a real world, right? And, and it's modern day yeah. to when it was made and it, it's fine, right? But it's really hard to have humans interacting with puppets mm-hmm. and have it feel completely natural. Yeah. Well, now I think it's even worse because with CGI, they're oftentimes just talking to nothing. Yeah. So that's that the is cool hard. thing about a Muppet is that there's actually somebody there. Yeah, and somebody acting. acting, acting yeah. Against. But it, I, I think a big way that they build that is Henson knows where to put the camera. Yeah. Right? Like that it, it feels easy and natural. So, like, he knows when to have the Muppets sitting and then the human can be standing and, and vice versa. Yeah, because that's always a very difficult thing because a lot of times puppets need to be behind a wall. Mm-hmm. Because they're actually holding the puppet up above their head. Yeah. Oh, I know. Such intense shoulder. Yeah, it must have been jacked. I know. Wow. I think that would hurt after a while, though, no matter mm-hmm. what. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. The special effects on what they do, like that you can have a frog playing a banjo or riding a bike. like, oh, yeah. Or I mean, Miss Piggy's uh, does karate. Yep. That's amazing. Like all of it. And like when they're all walking at the um, high noon moment. Yep. That's what, 20 puppets? Yeah, something like that. Walking. Uh, but no, the at the end, when you have all of the Muppets that Henson's ever created. So you have Sesame characters and Sesame Street characters and all of that together. And they're singing a reprise of Rainbow Connection. Was that written for the movie? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yep. And to have the the reprise of... Life's like a movie. Write your own ending. Keep believing. Keep pretending. We've done just what we set out to do. Thanks to the lovers, the dreamers, and you. believing keep pretending we did what we set out to do so kind of like look at us we made it yeah and we're just a bunch of muppets and i think that's henson saying like look if you have an idea you can have a sock puppet yes make a movie yeah and that's all kermit is is a sock puppet with a ping pong ball cut in half or is it a golf ball like something it's just a ball and then a sharpie yeah little eyes and so it's like if you just love it and you believe in it, and this you're going to see it grow. And this is handed to him. He knows that from experience yeah. because he started out making commercials with mm-hmm. his Muppets. And what was interesting with, with Henson that we learned at the Graham, Grand Rapids Art Museum exhibit was that he didn't really care so much what he was creating as long as it was a visual art and that he loved tv 
Like he, mm-hmm. they, they tell a story about how he had huge campaigns to convince his parents to get a TV. Like he just loved TV. And I think in a world where, very, I mean, rightly so, but a lot of times we like to bash on TV, computers, our smartphones, all of the technology. We like Rotten to... Rotten your eyes out. Yep. You know, just waste of time. You know, why are you doing that? Uh, and there are definitely dangers of all of that. But I, I think it's so cool to see someone see watch TV and say, I know what I want to do with that. See, yeah. he's watching it because he loves it. He's watching it because he wants to add to it. He wants to tell a story. He wants to tell those stories with that medium. Yeah. He likes that you're in that box. He likes to frame. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to, instead of having a puppet box, I'm going to use the TV as my frame. Yeah. So I I think that's really was a cool story to hear that if you're really into watching YouTube videos, you can go forward and make it. Like if you're looking at it and you're like, oh, I like that edit and I like how they did the sound there. And, yeah. and you're just loving the medium for the sake of the medium and then you have your favorite creators go for it right yeah. like yeah. you can have people tell you that oh youtube is stupid and it's a waste of time all you want but you could be creating something that later on will will grow like jim henson's universe did and make millions of people happy millions of people happy precisely as children we all live in a world of imagination of fantasy. And for some of us, that world of make-believe continues into adulthood. Quote from Jim Henson. So that brings about an interesting question with the theme of the first Muppet movie. Why does making millions of people happy matter? Why doing that through creativity, why does that even matter? I guess I would say maybe potentially that because God is God of love that when we show love to others that we are doing what he has called us to do but I don't know if that's what you were thinking yes that's entirely what I was thinking did I say it the way that you would say it well what I would say is that because God has redeemed us through Christ's work He has redeemed this world. That means that we can begin here and now on this earth to counteract the effects of sin. That's why we have medicine. That's why we have things of joy. Those things are not meaningless. They actually move us forward. We we start to fight sin now. And through making people happy in a proper way, not some kind of indulgent way, we actually fight sin. So that's that's why I would say why it matters. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Uh, that I I think it's very easy to take a Puritan or an agnostic view of the of the world and say that everything is bad here. Everything is you know we're just strangers passing through. A you know, case like, Just kind of like hunker down, get through this life. But already now we can live in the joy of salvation, that we can already live in the joy of everlasting life. 
so that when you you watch something like the Muppet movie and you're just giggling from it, like that's part of it. That's part of that it. That is and, part of it. And that you're enjoying the artistry of the Muppets and all the details that go into them and the shapes that they create. Like Fozzie's little dumpling belly <laughs> gets me every time in the no. way he's able to shake it and it goes round. Yeah. Waka waka waka. Waka 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 waka. Waka 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 waka. Hey, you're a great crowd. Thank you. Thank you and thank you. Hey, waka waka. Ah, waka waka waka. Here I am, Fuzzy Bear, to tell you jokes both old and rare. Waka waka waka. Ah. Like it, it's just it's just happiness. And I I think that's it's just pure happiness. And there's people in the Muppet movie that threaten that happiness. Yeah. But with the lie of saying, you're actually going to be happy with this. So the villain of the movie is Doc Hopper, where he owns a chain of frog leg fast food. Yes. So you can get frog's legs prepared any way that you like. And he sees, well, actually his, his lackey sees Kermit dancing. But they see Kermit dancing and they're like, yeah, this would make a great commercial. Right. To have a frog dancing. Selling my frog legs. Because his frog legs are just so good looking. (laughs) And, you know, Kermit, of course, says no. And one of his lies, he says, like, all I can see, because Doc Hopper says, can't you see all the, you know, millions of people that you would make happy when they're eating my frog's leg, like, you would make me so, so happy, and you will be so happy because you'll be so rich. Yeah. And all Kermit can see is all the frogs on tiny little crutches and little wheelchairs, and that's all he can see. And so he he realizes that money and fame and making one person happy isn't the end-all, be-all. Because I think it's very easy to be a pushover. Like, you have somebody, like, a strong personality, like Doc Hopper, saying, do this, do this, I'll pay you whatever you want. Yeah. I think it's pretty easy to be bowled over and say, okay, it sounds oh, it yeah. sounds fine. Especially right. if you got bills to pay. I mean, mm-hmm. Kermit, Kermit doesn't have a mortgage, but... That's true. <laughs> he, so, is, he is pretty carefree. He doesn't have any yeah. luggage. Miss Piggy's what, the only one that day. has light luggage. Yeah, Kermit's got a banjo. Yeah. Well, he lost. The, did he? I don't know. It, it, comes, it, and it, com- it comes and goes. Yeah. yeah so does his uh, his bindle, his little yeah. hobo bag comes yeah. and goes. Speaking of hobo bags. Yeah. Speaking of which. You are creating hobo bags. I am because I'm just I just love the history. I was just thinking about when America was oppressed but free. Oh, wait. Uh, I, I mean in the past. <laughs> um, so, I, I don't know. I was thinking about uh, the 1920s. I was thinking about a little bit later with, with the Great Depression. Just aesthetically, I think a lot of the clothing is really, really gorgeous. And I, I actually like the messy hobo look, like from looking at old photography. It's really interesting lines there. And I was just thinking about traveling and being free and just these guys would, like just these bands of, of, of hobos, they would just be going across America and just see where, where things take them. And I, I don't mean to romanticize it because these people were not pleased with where their life was most of the time. Although I think there were always some hobos 
that did it as a as a choice. But I, I realized that during the Great Depression, a lot of this wasn't a choice. But I, I think the freedom to just move across the country with nothing tying you down. And yet, and yet, you have nothing tying you down. But that human urge to collect precious things never turns off. And so a large handkerchief is something that anyone would have had or a a square of cloth, any kind of cloth, someone would would easily be able to get. And they would use this to carry their belongings. And so they would make these hobo sacks or bindles wherever they went, wherever they could find interesting and, and cool things and useful things, they would collect it. So if they found a jackknife, they would put that in. If they found a harmonica, they would put that in. Uh, people, you know, recorded just, you know, putting pretty stones in and feathers and stuff like that in there. And they would have, you know, typically they would have a notebook and a pencil. And so that, to me, shows that even in the midst of having no place in this world and maybe going on a road that wasn't yours by choice, you still have this desire to collect beautiful things and live in a beautiful world. Useful things. Yeah. Those are not mutually exclusive. No, they're not. I thought what would be really cool is to make a gift package and a lot of people, you know, use boxes for these gift bags, but then you can't really use them afterwards. I don't know if you've ever received a gift box, but you're like, oh, this is a really cool box, but I don't really know what to do with it. So I thought it would be really cool to make a Ducks Never Waver hobo bag or bindle and fill it with some of our merch and some of the things that they would have had. And so we have our eco-dyed bandanas as the, the outer layer, the wrapping, your your handkerchief, as it were. Your more useful box. Yeah, exactly. Your your box that you can wear later on. And inside of it will be things like a notebook that has uh, that has a hand-drawn design on it. Every single one will be drawn by hand. It's not printed. You'll be receiving a pencil. You'll get one of our uh, butterfly pins that not only is beautiful, but raises awareness for people with fibromyalgia. And you will be getting a surprise little treasure. So you will receive in your bindle a antique novelty. I'm not really sure what to call it. Some That sounds exciting. Some, some antique little trinket goodness uh, that the price range is somewhere between 5 and $10. So that kind of gives you, you a... Can get it. What we can get it for is between 5 and $10. So you kind of get the idea. It's going to be something smallish, but I'm telling you, we found some really, really good stuff. There's stuff that I, I don't look at where I stored it because I know that there's going to, like, I'm going to pull stuff out. And, like I'm, This is my problem with running a store. I just want to take all my inventory and keep it, and that's a problem. So I've been told. So, so you'll be receiving uh, that as well. We we get you started in in your bindle. We fill it with little treasures, and then maybe someday you'll like continue adding to your bindle, or you can give it to a friend. It would make a lovely Christmas gift. I'm very excited about getting those in. I think that'll be really cool to see it all together. We're gonna wrap it up super cute. Like I said, it's perfect for Christmas. 
Do you have any questions? Are those ready to go or? They are almost. They're going to be pictures taken and stuff like that. And then posted. And then posted. So that you can buy your very own. Mm -hmm. The best thing for you to do if you are interested in knowing when we have new products is following us on Instagram or Facebook. Or you can even follow our shop on Etsy, but I know that can kind of be confusing. So if you... Unless you're really big into the Etsy scene, like those kids yeah, know. I mean, I do, but yeah. I own an Etsy shop, so you would hope that I, I'm a little bit extra. But yeah, I, I would say the, the easiest way to find out what's happening is to follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Absolutely. And you can just type in Ducks Never Waver and we'll pop up. You'll see a little duck there. He's blue, but not sad. He's he's blue because he's traversing the, the rugged waters and he is loyal and all those things associated with blue besides sadness. Yeah, well, why did sadness get associated with I blue? don't know. Maybe because it's rain? I don't know. That's gray. That's true. I got the grays. Yeah, why, yeah, why do... Why? But it's like, how can a frog so green feel so blue? <laughs> Not often you see a guy that green have the blues that bad. Mm. Which brings us right back to the Muppets. It does. Look at that. We did it. Everything, all all roads lead back to the Muppets. Moving right along. Foot loose and fancy free. Getting there is half the fun. Come share it with me. Moving right along. We'll learn to share the When it comes to the exhibition that we went to, looking at Jim Henson's life, and it was, he he didn't live a very, he died at 50-something. Two, 53, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so he was right at, he was peak performance in terms of, like, output creatively. Yeah, and getting funding and getting traction and... Yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, he died young, but what you get the feeling is the guy had too many ideas to hold in. Yeah. Well, we saw how many ideas either just got started and then petered out or didn't even get all the way through because he had this whole nightclub idea that was a full immersion experience. experience of all your senses together. And he had very famous designers do like the the, the furniture and yeah. the pre-work and he had all this lined up and it, it never came together. I think it was before its time. Maybe it was yeah. out, maybe it was out of time. Because <laughs> nice. no, but like you look at it and like you want to have performers and then you want to project stuff onto them. Like you want to project visual art on top of the people who are moving and dancing. And mm -hmm. I think like people just don't go to a nightclub just for that. Oh, you're saying it's more cerebral than a nightclub. Yeah, people are there to get wasted, and then you're like, look at the art. Yeah. It's not the right forum. Yeah, although, I mean, it was very 60s. Like, the, the ideas that he had, I'm yes. like, yeah, yep, Flower Power. Yeah. I see you. Oh, that, maybe Flower Power was more 70s. Anyways, they kind of bleed together. Also with that, I think it, it gives anybody who's even a little bit creative is you need to just overproduce. Mm, yeah. If, if one idea doesn't hit, then don't worry. You got the next one. Yeah. You just... Just keep coming up with ideas. And realize that you can put all the work, like you can get everything ready up to the final point of, of it being reality 
and have to scrap it. Because he did TV commercials. Yeah. There are so many times in the exhibitions like, oh, and this puppet was made in this commercial that never actually aired. Mm-hmm. It's like, huh, that's a lot of work. Yeah. For it to never actually air. Yeah. How many Muppets they had to make and then they're like, now nah, we're, we're going to go with a different idea. Yeah. Going to go in a different direction. It's tough, but you have to realize that that's part of life, that you're going to put work into stuff that doesn't pan out, whether in relationships or in your job or whatever. You're going to put, like, or your education, you're going to put energies into stuff that doesn't pan out for you. Yeah, and the thing is that it's not supposed to be discouraging because you will never find out what you're supposed to be doing unless you try something. Yeah. If you're and, just paralyzed by doing nothing and you do nothing because you're paralyzed of all the options you have before you, mm-hmm. you won't get anywhere. Whereas if you're like, okay, well, I know I want to draw something. So you go in that direction. It's like, well, I guess what I didn't realize is I don't really like drawing on computers. So. Mm. Right, or like I don't like drawing on paper, I like drawing on a tablet, yeah. or I don't like using pencil, but I like using charcoal. And that's where Henson's voracious appetite for trying anything visual arts within the more TV realm, although like mm-hmm. he did other stuff, it's massive. Something massive. Something massive. And like you said, like he just kept producing and kept having ideas. And I think what's interesting is like you see some sketchbooks, right? Because in the I exam, loved his sketchbooks. So yeah, his, that was the but, best part. Uh, what I love about his sketchbooks is his, his sketchbooks were very idea based, and that he didn't get too tied up in like the technical of his drawing. No, but I I thought if you were if you looked really carefully, you could see ones that were very much concept, right? Like just yeah. like get get the idea down, and then there is ones where okay, we need to actually figure out how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. And so those drawings are much more clean and they're, you know, get there. And I, I just think that's really cool to see the process. And I think we all know that that's going to be messy first and then get better. But we don't, we don't like that final draft, like, oh, rough draft. We always write like it's the final draft. And, like, it never is. You cannot write a final draft the first time. That's why it's called a first draft. Right? Like, if you're organizing something like a room, right? It will look worse before it is better. But people get scared of that and they, they don't like the mess and they don't like the chaos. If you renovate a house, it's going to look like it's, it's gonna falling look, apart. Yep, it's going to look like garbage for a long time. And that stage lasts the longest. And then all of a sudden, snap, it's all cleaned up. Yep. And you have to trust the process and say, okay, my drawing this time looked really crappy, but I can see that line there works and that one over there. So I'm going to, you know, take that and I'm going to move it over here. I'm like, okay, now I have a nice visual. How am I going to actually make it work as a Muppet? Where do I put the puppeteer? Like, how do I make it move? And then you take that. And, and so it's this whole process. And you can look at anything, right? Like you can do a research paper and it looks like you're just behind a mountain of books and it's never going to come together. But then, you know, when you finally go to write it, you're going to have all that knowledge at your at your fingertips. So embrace the mess, embrace the chaos, and keep trudging through it. As you go forth in your endeavors to create amazing things and make millions of people happy, remember, 
you must have good people with you. Megan hasn't quite figured this out yet, but... <laughs> oh! <laughs> it's true. I don't know why you're not fired yet. Why do you keep coming back? I'm a glutton for punishment. I fired you weeks ago. So, you need to have good people around you. Jim Henson had Frank Oz, who, by the way, is the voice of Yoda. <laughs> Yoda. 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 Do and then also not. part of, of Henson's core team uh, was Jerry Jewell, who is a writer and performer, Frank Oz, and puppet builder Don Salen, and secretary Jay Campbell. So you do need a good team because, I mean, like, you can't uh, perform alone. We saw this hilarious uh, uh, rehearsal between Bert and Ernie, and that was Frank yeah, Oz and yeah. Henson. And it was just, it's great to see them performing together because I didn't, I never realized the connection of, like, the actors, right? Because they're, they're performing it in live time. Like, they're not lip syncing or anything like right. that, whereas I had, for some reason, thought there was more of a disconnect. Right, but it's very immediate with the puppets. Yes, yes. So they're ad-libbing all over the place. Yes. But I think what you get, so you, you have with Muppets, you have such a raw humanity because of that, but you also have the expressive heightened reality of animation. You know, like how animation, like they look at people, look at people, but then they just make it like a little bit extra. Yeah. You know, there's there's images in my head, like from Beauty and the Beast, the way that she sat down to read the book to Beast, you know, and the way that her, her body collapsed and her, her skirt twirled like that. I can't tell you how many times I tried to recreate that as a four-year-old. You know, there's just like these little, little images. And that's what movies does. That's what the magic of movies, and you, you see it a little bit more in animation, but a live action movie uh, example would be Robin Hood. For me, when... It's the the men in Sherwood when, you know, right before he says, welcome to Sherwood and all the guys come tumbling down, right? Yeah. And there's this one scene where the camera's low and there's like this hill and then six guys come running up and they jump over the camera. Again, I spent hours in my backyard jumping, thinking that I was looking as cool as them, yeah. not realizing that they were jumping on trampolines. Right. I thought they just ran up and jumped like that. And I thought it was epic. So cool to jump like that over the camera. So, but that's... And you didn't even have a camera. I didn't. So I was using my head and then for some reason, like what I saw in my mind, I'm like, I'm not quite there yet. So I kept going. More practice. <laughs> more practice. I, I needed more trampolines is what I actually needed. Yeah. But you know, you use what you got. Like in the old westerns, when they jump up onto the back of the horse, mm. a lot of times there's actually some, a little trampoline there to give a little <sighs> extra boost. Makes sense. So that they're really it. swinging up yeah, there. Okay. Yeah. That's really funny. So that's a little movie magic. But I think Muppets is this really wonderful space in between live action and animated. Yeah, because live action can actually interact with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. Your favorite Muppet is? So, so tough. So, so tough. Um, it's not tough for me. I, I, it's I, really not tough for you? No, Fozzie Bear all the way. See, I was going to go Fozzie too. Waka, 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 waka
motherfucker. Hey, you're a great crowd. Thank you. Thank you and thank you. Hey. That's really funny. That's because we're basically the helpless psychic. I think so. We life. we need a Kermit. <laughs> Where's Kermit? But no, like the Fozzie Bear gets so, so many good lines. Yeah. I think that's because I like Gonzo's appearance. Yeah. I really like Gonzo, but Gonzo is someone that is small dosages. We picked up a weirdo. <laughs> hop, hop, hop. I'm hopping mad. You know, Gonzo, Gonzo's great, but I, I would say, yeah, all all way around, probably Fozzie from, you know, we didn't talk about the Great Muppet Caper or the Muppets Take Manhattan, but I would still say that Fozzie Bear, like in the Muppets Take Manhattan when he's stuck in the bear cave when they're all trying to hibernate and he just goes, Kermit. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people are really big Miss Piggy fans, and I, I do like Miss Piggy, but she's not, she's not my favorite. Of yeah. I, I would probably say it's Fozzie, Kermit, Gonzo. Ralph the Dog's really good, too. I mean, I, I like the whole cast. Let's be real here, but. Mm-hmm. I like the electric mayhem. Yeah. Golden teeth and golden tones. But no, all of the characters are great. And with Labyrinth, I really enjoyed the accumulation. You know, you have Hoggle, who is Scarecrow. Horrible. No, I ain't. I'm Hoggle. Who are you? Sarah. That's what I thought. (laughs) Uh, You have Ludo, who would probably be Lion. Yeah. And then you have Didymus, who is the, the Tin Man. I have sworn with my lifeblood, no one shall pass this way without my permission. Well, may we have your permission? Well, I... Uh, 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 <sighs> yes? Thank you, noble sir. My lady. I, I thought the Muppet version of the sheepdog was better than the, the sheepdog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in, in Labyrinth, when that Didymus rides. Yeah. And, like, the head poking through is, is a Muppet version of a sheep English sheepdog. Yeah. So, so really what we need to do now is we need to turn Dorothy and Agatha... Into Muppets. Into Muppets so that we can do little shows for little people. Skits. Like, little skits. I love this idea. I love... Oh, my... This is a good idea. Selling our products. Selling our products Hobo and Rabbit. Oh, we can make little bindles for them. Oh, we got to learn how to make a Muppet. Well, because we we were just clipping the girl's nails, and it's just intense fluffery. Like you you were manning the uh, the snippers, yeah, and you had a hard time finding those nails. Yeah, they. Were- not they're not like tiny nails either they're, they're there oh yeah there's, just, there's so much hair it's hard to get the clippers in a good spot because of all that hair and so i think with like especially the plumage on the, their head that'd be very expressive because like every time you move oh, yeah. it would shake oh very oh i love this I, I don't know how to make see that's the one thing they didn't have is a muppet workshop there yeah why didn't they have that i don't know you could have come away with it like for 15 dollars more you can have your own muppet 
You know what? That should have. That was definitely a glaring omission. Yeah, and now and you know mm-hmm. I was gonna give the the exhibition like a solid B. Yeah, same. Now, now it's like a no. C minus. Yep, they just totally lost us. Like you know what? They had some interesting things about animatronics that Henson actually pioneered. pioneered. They had some interesting things from Dark Crystal. They they brought in Fraggle Rock. You know they they had a lot of Sesame Street. They had the little worms. There from Sesame Street that were my favorite. But you know what? They did not have a Muppet workshop. So so short-sighted. Ridiculous. These yeah. people. Don't get them your money, folks. No, it's not worth just it. not worth it. Don't. Even if you ridiculously love Muppets, don't do it. Because they're not going to give you a Muppet. Stand in protest. Yeah. We didn't realize that, and we can tell you. I know we were we were blind. We were hoodwinked. That's yes. what bamboozled. Indeed. So maybe maybe after all of our challenges are done from the previous, if you don't know what we're talking about with the challenges that we're doing, go back two episodes, uh, and you'll find out that we have three going on. One is failing miserably. I'll let you know, but the Which other one? two are doing okay. I can't tell you. Oh. No, it's my acupuncture bed is, is failing oh. miserably. Not doing it so far. Someday. Uh, so. Just as a little kind of check in, saying how has drawing every day been? It's been good. Yeah, I've enjoyed it too. I think it's, it's finally working to give me more confidence. There was a couple days there where I'm like, oh, I'm just phoning it in. This looks really shoddy. But I think, I think giving yourself the permission to having it look bad, but still it counting yeah there's that whole theory like doing things poorly yeah i i think i i again like we were talking about like the stages there's the mess like there's the chaos before the final product yes and i think embracing the chaos because every time i draw i always have this expectation of perfection and to let go of that has been good because it has to happen every day if it looks like something well you know what you i mean every all art is representational it just may not look like a thing in all, space. No, all art is uh, non abstract. All art is abstract, but it's also all representational. And all truth is subjective, but only in a subject. Well, murder is immoral. Immorality is subjective. Yes, but subjectivity is objective. Not in any rational scheme of perception. Perception is irrational and implies imminence. But judgment of any system or a priori relation of phenomena exists in any rational or metaphysical or at least epistemological contradiction to an abstracted empirical concept such as being or to be or to occur in the thing itself or of the thing itself. Yeah, I've said that many times. No, because like you can represent emotions, right? Like, would you say Pollock is, I mean, like, yeah, it is abstract technically. But he is representing a emotion. I think maybe maybe our December. We'll see. We should make Muppets. We should make Dorothy and Agatha a Muppet. I love it. I love this idea. It's going to be difficult. But we could possibly use the extra floof that we get from them. Yeah. We could actually use Angora floof to make Angora Muppets. Yes. Ah! Can you picture? Can you picture that? Can you picture? You gotta see it in your mind. Can you picture? What's quick and easy to find. Can you picture? You don't have to buy a frame. Can you picture? Can you picture that? 
need it. Gold we get defeated. Can you back to that? Thank you very much for listening to this recording from Ducks Never Waver Studios. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep coming up with different names. That's <laughs> the Ducks Never Waver Studio. <laughs> that are publishing. This is our studio. This is our studio. <laughs> like our like publication syndicate or something. Hey. Megan and I both really appreciate you giving us your time to listen to what we have to say. We hope it was enlightening and, above all, entertaining. We hope also that you give our store a look-see, because we do really put our heart and soul into it, to making beautiful, functional art pieces. We have scarves, of course, which you've heard about. What you might not have heard about yet is that we have bags baskets they're useful bags baskets to put things in and it doesn't sound like much but these bags baskets are actually made out of bags less useful bags than what these bags baskets are <laughs> i know you're laughing because you're just tickled pink about the idea of using these things because when you go to the grocery store yeah they have the like oh you can buy this now save 10 percent off of something and come back and you never have to use another plastic bag in the world again. But you know what? Those are kind of not good. They, they just, <laughs> they, they just, they just don't do it. They, it's, they're mass produced for one thing. Yeah. Is it out of recycled stuff? Well, guess what? Ours are made out of recycled stuff too. But, but we actually shortcut the whole reduce, reuse, recycle circle slash triangle thing we just completely hacked it because we just took the bags these bags that were lonely and looking for work we took them in we sheltered them we gave them use and purpose now these rehabilitated bags work together to form one giant bag baskets that can serve you in all your foraging needs are you in the garden and you like cutting off some tomatoes and you're digging up some potatoes and all of a sudden you find out that you just you don't have enough hands to hold it all i know it's happened to me it can happen to you too just watch out <laughs> so give one of our big baskets to try you will never be shorthanded again with these useful bags baskets just remember to look for the happy little duck on the side thank you for listening have a pleasant evening pleasant day wherever you are whatever you're doing be pleasant, be pleasant. <laughs>